Welcome to Tears of a Clown, the podcast. I'm Liv and we are on episode 15 today. It has been two weeks since our last episode. I took the time off intentionally. And the first week, it was because I took an impromptu vacation. I was in Las Vegas. That was planned. Um, And the day that I was supposed to leave, I actually ended up going to L.A. after. So I spent a few more days in L.A., had a ton of fun, came home, and I was just like my social battery was done for. Uh, My brain was buffering. I just really couldn't (laughs) couldn't do much. And I kind of felt like, okay, you know, 14 weeks straight of uh, content. I'm going to take a little breather. The next week rolls around and I'm like, you know what? I I want some of the episodes I've put out there to get a little more love. So I decided to take a step back and just do two weeks off and I feel really refreshed. I think from here our cadence for the episodes is going to be every other week. I want to make sure that I'm giving you guys the best possible content while also still being enthused about what I'm doing. And so this just kind of feels like the right compromise I, that I can make to just ensure that we'll have sustainability with the pod. <laughs> but we'll also make sure that you guys are getting your dose of tears of a clown as often as you can. So other than that, just a quick life update. I have been just taking care of myself, um, you know, on my Peloton, going to therapy, working, spending time with my favorite people. I've been super into movies lately. I kind of like redove into them. I actually went on a whole like old time gangster movie kick the other day and I'm I'm just loving every second of it. So that's been really great. I've been trying to keep up with challenging myself to read at the the capacity that I would like to. So I've got a couple good books going right now and I am a month strong off of dating apps. I decided to walk away from them and I really wanted to commit to it to a point where it was for good. Um, They just weren't serving me. I wasn't meeting quality people uh, to say the least. And um, it just, it just, didn't feel right anymore so I'm excited about that usually it's like the first couple weeks are the most difficult so I've been feeling good I've been feeling great and uh, I got my wine poured so so let's dive in so today's episode is going to be about letting go and this actually hits in a general context I know in our last few episodes we were talking about friendships a lot and our relationships to ourselves so now kind of going into that I think this is one of the most important in facets to relationships to ourselves specifically I actually think it's probably the most crucial and this can apply to anything right friendships that have gone sour um, business endeavors that you got burned in uh, romantic relationships right all different kinds of areas of your life are affected by the experience of not letting go and I personally am someone who spends constant time looking at my life as if it's a wheel and I'll look at the different areas of my life I break them all down And within each one of those wheels, there's so many intricacies, but specifically, you know, the things that linger with me, the things that haunt me or hurt me are probably some of my biggest obstacles in continuing to grow in my happiness and my wellness. But this also really affects our identity. Now, my goal coach actually taught me about quote-unquote life domains uh, almost a year ago now, and so I 
categorize my life in these different ways. Uh, so I want to go through them with you because this is a really great way to spot check for yourself on where you're not letting go. And we'll talk a little bit more about what that process is, how we experience it, how we're supported, and you know some of the wisdom that I want to share in, in terms of um, living with this. Um, but first, let's talk about the life domains. So the first one is spiritual. The second one is parental. The third is intellectual. The fourth is social. The fifth is emotional. The sixth is vocational. The seventh is physical. The eighth is avocational. The ninth is marital. And the tenth is financial. Now, you might hear some of those and go, what the hell do these mean, right? So for me, when I look at these, I know the, the dictionary references, but just kind of to give you a quick overview, for some of those words that don't sound familiar, um, you know, spiritual, we know what that means, right? That's our spirituality and whatever that looks like for each person. Um, parental, again, if you are a parent or I look at this as mentoring because I am not a parent. Um, so this is the mentorship and um, guiding portion of my life. Uh, from there, we have intellectual. So think of intellectual again as your what you know what podcasts are you listening to, what books are you listening to, how are you nourishing your brain. Social, obviously, tending to your relationships um, that are non-romantic. Emotional, that's our emotional well-being, right? Like I talk about going to therapy. That's that's that right there. Now, vocational is inside of your career. So vocational just means your career aspirations. Physical, you know, physical health. Avocational means aspirations outside your career. So for instance, this would be one of my avocational goals to fulfill working on my podcast. Marital, again, keep in mind, this is a, a higher word. Um, it doesn't have to mean you're married, right? So when I think of marital, I think of my romantic area. So you could say romantic, but you know, and then obviously financial or money, which is, we all know how that goes, right? Uh, that's a, that's a constant in adulthood. I really want you to write those down, put them in your notepad, or just keep them in the, the forefront of your mind. Whenever you're doing a general audit of your life, this is going to be great for obviously goals, but reflection. Because I can tell you right now, in each one of these life domains, I have things that I have not let go of. And by the way, anyone who fucking tells you, oh, you need to let go, you need to let go, I've let go of everything in my past, they're lying, okay? And I don't know there's too many people like that. But people who are constantly pushing you to let go of stuff, and <clears throat> I'm telling you this truly, genuinely, uh, a lot of the times either A, are sick of hearing you talk about it, I'm going to be honest with you, okay, um, or B, are worried about the impact it's had on you. Like those are the two things that I think are primary. The third one is the stupidest one. And it's like they have this idea that they've let go of things. But I'm telling you right now, most people have not let go of things. They've coped or they've adapted. And that's just a part of the human experience. But those have been the primary things that I've found. If you have, you know, quality people in your life. And by the way, quality people in your life can think not so great things about you. Oh my God, that's a part of unconditional care and love. Is you can love someone so much and be like, I can't fucking stand this part of like this little area of your behavior. I can't deal with it. Okay. But I deal with it, but I can't stand it. So don't, you know, don't, don't immediately shut down thinking to yourself, well, you know, fuck them. They should listen to everything. I say this every time your friends and your family are not your therapists. Counsel. Yes. Therapists. No. Okay. It gets a little tiring to hear something from someone who has not let it go. And you want to know how I know that? From firsthand experience. Every single time I talk to my best friend about 
issues that I have not let go, I, I tell her, I'm, I'm ashamed. I say, hey, I'm sorry I'm bringing this up again. Fuck, I'm, I, I don't want to bring this up again. And the funny thing is she does the same thing to me. She's like, I know I talk about this so much. And thankfully, we have that transparency and that vulnerability and that safety with one another to where we can just basically be like, hey, listen, I got to talk about this. Um, but trust that we've both went through the things I've listed with one another, either being like, all right, bro, you, you, this is like impacting you as a person. Like I'm, you're becoming unrecognizable in this area or like I'm fucking tired of hearing it. Right. But what I want to say about these life domains is if I really genuinely look at myself, I can tell you in each one of these things where I have a like kingpin, like the, the final boss of what I have not let go. And I'm working on those things, right? Every single one of them And I would challenge you to look and you might find those things too. And some might have, you know, harder hitters than others. And also some might have more in list than others, right? So for me personally, like emotional and like marital or relationships, those are going to have a lot more things for me (laughs) than um, vocational and avocational, right? But that does, that's not to say it could be complete opposite for another person. And so when I spend time looking at my life domains in a positive and negative and neutral space, um, I've really been able to reflect on where I am suffering. And suffering sounds like a really strong word, but emotional suffering, um, not to be confused by by the domains here, I'm just talking about your actual like well-being withering, um, where you're inside yourself and you're, you're, you're suffering, you're going through something, you're playing it over and over again, right? Uh, is, is just absolutely horrible to go through alone. And it can really impact who you become in terms of your character and your output after the fact. So a great example is some years back, I had a, a very big loss in my life and I'll do another episode about grief and, um, you know, death, and, and my experience with that personally, and um, just talking about, you know, my perspective on it. But <clears throat> I remember after that, I already had this thing in me and, and some of my closest friends joke and they're like, oh, Jiminy Cricket, Jiminy Cricket. If you're not familiar with Jiminy Cricket, okay, um, I don't know how you couldn't be, now I really sound like an old person, I'm sorry. But it, Jiminy Cricket was a character in Pinocchio. And Pinocchio is actually one of the darkest stories of all time. Um, I am not a Disney fan. I'm really not into Disney. I'm not, I I don't get it. It doesn't click with me. Um, But obviously I'm familiar with these things just right and from a societal standpoint and having seen pretty much all the movies at least once. Um, But he he was a, you know, a talking cricket and he, um, he had like this really strong conscience like he was the conscience for everyone okay and I always kind of had that um in the sense where I constantly felt like I had to in my life make things better for other people and like be the do-gooder almost and that came a lot from childhood but it increased so much after my loss and I think a lot of that was trying to find validity in being worthwhile and or um not letting certain stuff go and knowing other people wouldn't let stuff go. So I just kind of felt like, you know what? I've got to make a major change in my in my personality here. Like I remember having the conversation with myself and being like, I can't do this anymore. I can't do this anymore. Like I had a whole list of things and for a good probably year and a half or so, um, 
mostly almost two years. Everything I did was based around trying to make, you know, other people happy in my life for the most part and um, trying to do right by them. And I think it's an admirable thing to strive towards doing right by people in your life, but it affected my character and my output. I cannot begin to tell you more and more how that increased when I had made that decision. And it was because there was this occurrence that happened and from there it was a domino effect of not letting go and i kind of just was to myself okay i'm not gonna i'm never gonna slip up again i'm never gonna slip up again i'm gonna do everything right and i'm gonna i'm gonna make sure everybody is taken care of and obviously having that kind of mindset is is, it's not sustainable it's not gonna work um but i think about that a lot in terms of not letting things go and now, as I've, you know, in the last few years coming into myself and really being comfortable with who I am, feeling like, you know, stability in my life, feeling grounded, um, feeling, you know, gratefulness, a lot of things I've been able to say no to and or kind of step back and be like, whoa, look at the full picture and be like, all right, why, uh, okay, like, why am I doing this? What's my intention here? Like, that could be good, but what's really going to be the side effect? But I think that the not letting go goes right back to how we behave in other areas and then we almost start to resent it we start to sit there and go well shit you know i'm just doing this i'm doing this for everyone else or i'm you know i have to do this because x happened so now i don't you know i don't want the next variable to come in and it's like a survival tactic right it's a protection tactic but a lot of the times what happens is we go so far from ourselves and when I say ourselves I say um, our true feelings right and there's going to be things in life that we have to just do and it's not fun it's not great so I'm not saying you sit there and you're like fuck everybody I'm not doing this I'm not doing that I personally really don't jive with those type of people I think that if you're constantly uh, going off of what feels good to you and what you want you're you're lacking some selflessness in your life I'm all about boundaries but like if I did everything I wanted to, whoo, let me tell you, <laughs> it would be a different story. And I was a lot like that, you know, when I was younger and uh, was not I was not the most likable person at that time in my life. So we're grown ass adults. It's like, dude, sometimes you're going to have to show up to the birthday party. Sometimes you're going to have to make the call. OK, sometimes you're going to have to sit there and, and, and deal with it. Right. But you stray so far from yourself that you are almost like this the shell of what you were and it's all rooted back when you sit down and look at it you're like oh well I didn't let go of that and so I've spent a lot of time reflecting on not letting go and where kind of going back to where I started where that affects me the most and in the life domains I think that the thing that I hang on to the most I have a a a very easy time forgiving people. When I say, but what I mean by that is when I forgive you, you're forgiven. That's it. Okay. Um, when I'm done with you, I'm done with you. But when I forgive you, I forgive you. And there's a lot of things that I've had conversations with close people in my life on. And they're like, well, you're not angry about that. Or you're not like, I'm like, no, you know, I, I that's, that doesn't keep me up at night. Okay. Uh, no, but what does keep me up at night is love lost, love lost. And if you have, if you've been listening to my podcast long enough, you probably know that I I work off of love. I am a heart centered, love centered person, and so I spend so much time in agony over things in my life that have not worked out from a romantic aspect or you know an unconditional love aspect, right? And 
it's 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 exhausting it is so tiring and what i've found is i can be very aware adamantly aware of that pain adamantly aware of that gap um and still it will affect me in ways where obviously i protect myself and and then ways where i'm trying to be um, hyper focused but more than anything it just affects my ability to be happy and fucking live it affects i like literally i want you to sit with that it affects my ability to be happy and live and there's a lot of people who will say well being happy waking up in the morning is a choice and and doing this is a choice absolutely thank you Susie. i really appreciate that okay i do uh but when something is so deeply embedded in you it, it affects your worthiness it affects the way that you move physically um it you know it affects your decision making like there are all these things so deciding one day i'm going to be happy sure maybe i'm like okay i'm going to make this plan i'm going to do something nice for someone in my life like i know how to make it a good day right um but at the end of the day i'm still laying with myself and i can practice gratitude and everything else but it, it is difficult and where my heart is with this is I just know there's some of you who are going through this too. I know that there's some of you who are sitting here and you're like playing it over and over again and you're hyper analyzing it and you're wondering why and you're you're flipping this thing upside down around, flattening it, picking it back up, you know, like shaking it out. You're doing this over and over and over again. And if you're point, past the point, you're like, Liv, dude, I'm not even doing that anymore. I'm just sick of, I'm just sick of it being in the back of my head, which in a lot of ways, the back of your head is like, you think about it, it's like, it's the driving force, right? Uh, yeah, I get it. And one of the more um, disappointing parts of going through this is nobody can be inside of you, you know, completely in terms of your soul and your heart and your head, right? And uh, I'm laughing there because I, I wanted to make a joke, but I'm just not going to. Um, so I know there are so many people who mean well by their advice. And it's actually from my own mistakes that I have learned that not everybody takes advice the same way. Okay, I'll never forget I had a friend who told me, I don't do well with your tough love. I don't do well with your tough love. And I thought to myself, what the hell? Like tough love, you know, in my head, I'm like getting offensive. I'm like, I'm, I'm being honest with you, right? But then I realized that not everybody takes advice the same way that I take it. And not everybody um, can actually put that advice into action. You really have to look at how people react, how their brain functions, how um, how their personality really thrives, Um all, all kinds of stuff, right? Where they see blockages in their life. So if it's someone who's really scared of confrontation, giving them confrontation-based advice, probably not gonna fucking work, okay? And that was it, that was younger in my mentorship and my career, but it really changed me. So I, I always had good intentions when I was doing things the wrong way, um, as I'm sure a lot of people in your life have, but I, I, I know what it feels like when you have people telling you, well, you know, do this or do that to let go. And... I, I will live and die by this. My oldest sister has taught me this phrase, the golden ear. Sometimes you just need to fucking listen to someone, okay? Give them the golden ear. Just listen. You're not offering solutions. You're not offering, um, you know, equations. You're not explanations. You're just like, here we go. I'm just going to listen to you. But more than anything, it feels really lonely when you're living with this portion of your life or portions of your life where you haven't let go it's like here's me and my shit 
here's me and my fucking bullshit and I'm sitting here and I'm stuck with this and nobody gets me and it isolates you further right isolates you further you feel like you can't talk about it um express it and you know that either people are tired of hearing about it or people are going to minimize it um or just worse yet they just don't want to hear like they're, they're not even interested because you it's just like to them it's a non-factor in, in day-to-day life. And then you can't talk to the people or persons most of the time where the not letting go has affected you. And so I've read a lot of books. I've listened to a lot of podcasts and I have sat with this shit, okay? And I'm being totally just real with you right now. Nothing, and I mean nothing, has been able to aid me more than looking at my losses in the level of importance that they are and that is by truly experiencing grief truly experiencing grief on things that i have not let go of is absolutely the most helpful way that i have dealt with these things because so many times i would go into it and say i know this is stupid i know this is dumb which by the way stupid and dumb are in emotions those are judgments okay and so I context would always be, listen, so many worse things have happened, but this is really what's sticking with me. This is really what's dragging me down. And once I have truly been able to step into the idea of like, damn, I got to grieve this shit. I got to grieve this shit. I got to let it out and just sit with that and be okay with that. I can't tell you otherwise how many (laughs) years and months I could have saved just being able to look at this for what it was and it was a death of something in my life and it feels silly at first to be like I'm going to compare this to an actual loss like an actual life lost right um but I'm going to tell you yeah in the sense of obviously I'm not saying the weight is the same they're all very different but yeah you lost something. You were burned by something. Therefore, you experienced some type of loss. And whether it's something inside of you, like trust, or um, something that was coming to you, uh, like an income, or whether it was uh, a friendship, that, something that was sustaining you, like there's so many different things. You're going to have to look at that and grieve that as a loss, and you're going to have to stop judging yourself. And I'm not saying you're going to go through the steps of grief, and then you're going to wake up and be like, well, I feel better. This is, this is over. Thanks, Liv. One episode, man. One episode changed my life. I'm not saying that that's going to be the case. I'm just saying that it helps with the suffering quite a bit to be able to look at something and be like, damn, this is a legitimate loss. This is a legitimate loss that I've experienced. And uh, it doesn't fucking feel good. It doesn't feel good. And I need to grieve. I need to grieve this. And I need to do that in my own way. The minute you make space for yourself in that area, you're taking away things that make life more difficult for you that judgment and that shame those things will drag us down every single time so I want to encourage you to look at the different areas of your life and and make it a big deal sit there and make it a big deal in the sense of you can look at this and be like this was fucking terrible oh my god I can't believe I went through that wow okay I, I like I gotta really really settle into this and understand wrap my head around what I've just experienced and man the minute you can start giving yourself the grace and compassion you give to people in your life you're going to feel so much better and something that helps me with this is like I look at my close friends my best friends and and my my babies I call them right my my mentees like my main mentees 
And I think about what I do for them when they're hurting. And it's because they mean so much to me. And whatever they're experiencing is so valid to me that I want them to know, like, you are loved, you are heard, you are seen, and you take the time you need. And I'm like, damn, can't even treat myself that way. Can't even, can't even sit there for a second and be like, hey, good. Like, what's going on, you know? Instead, here's what goes through my head. You've got shit to do and you need to be productive because if you're not productive, you're not useful. Or, well, you know, everybody else is going to think this is really stupid. Really? You're still not over this? Like, you, you need to grow up. Or, wow, you know, how many issues do you have to where you're hyperfixating on this? Like, oof. You got some other stuff under the hood? Come on, let's talk about it, dumbass. Like, you know, or you did this. Like, you have you have sole responsibility in this, and therefore, you are not allowed to mourn this. You're not allowed to grieve this because it was your responsibility. And that's something I think about a lot with, you know, a situation that has haunted me, okay? Haunted me. And I think about this all the time, and I'm like, I've got like my top, top three demons, right? And those things just like, they love jumping around and, and following me around, uh, mental critters. Okay. They're, it's like, Ooh, you still, you got this. And one of the biggest problems with it is I will go back to the, uh, like the original plot of the story and I'll be like, well, you made that mistake. And so you kind of deserve this years of suffering later. You deserve this. You deserve this. Stop talking about it. You know, um, no, I'm not accepting that for myself anymore. And, you know, I want to tell you guys whatever alleviation you can find through your grieving process, whether it's spiritual, whether it's physical, whether it's avocational, right? We went through the whole thing. Use the life domains to lift you up in the domains where you're hurting, okay? So where I was talking about you is the myself, not you, is <laughs> the marital area. Uh, okay. All right, so I'll use avocational to lift myself up. I'll use this podcast and I'll talk to people. And I'll feel like I'm contributing just a little bit. And that's going to help me talk about my grief. But it's also going to ensure that I feel like I'm doing something that is worthwhile. And it's going to build that confidence up. And it's going to build that strength up. So I want you to sit with what I said. I know this was a heavier episode, um, but you know, we started off this podcast very fun, um, talking a lot about dating and love and relationships. And uh, I think as you're listening, I'm gonna let you in more on who I am as a person. And I want you to let me in more on who you are as a person. So if you're continuing to follow this, it's like we have the secret truths where we're like, all right, I got you. We're, we're giving and exchanging here, okay? We're letting ourselves just sit down and sit with it. I don't know in what world you thought that I would leave you all without a story time. Come on, come on, okay? Come on. You're getting a story time. And this is an inspirational tale of letting go. So I'm excited to share it with you. This is the story of the expulsion. I was always a smart kid and I knew I was a smart kid uh, because I loved learning but I did have some difficulties with authority. And this is because I had a hyper amount of authority in my life, in, in my home life, um, culturally. So when I was at school, I went from like, you know, the Teflon Dons, okay, my family to listening to these people talk to me. And I'm just like, I just, you know, and don't get me wrong. I loved certain teachers and I wanted more than anything for them to know that I, I valued them and I would write notes to them and just do little writer kid things. Okay. 
but it was the ones like I could sense. And again, I've talked about this, just a heart led person. I could just feel it. I could, I felt that they didn't like the kids that they were teaching. And some of you might know that feeling. You could sense it. You're like, this person just got something super sus about them and I don't like it. Those were the ones that I did not want to listen to. And those were the ones that I just did not give a fuck about. Okay. So as I was going through, obviously middle school, when the hormones start kicking up and, and life starts showing you different um, challenges, right? You start getting more introduced to typically drugs, sex, you know, all that stuff, social pressures, um, puberty. I became more and more aggravated. Now I did have the added layer on the fact that I had a home that I had lived in and had friends that I loved. I played basketball. I was right by my eldest sister's house where, you know, my nephews were like, I was just life was good, man. Life was good. And it was good in the sense that I had my little thing that I did and I loved it. And I got uprooted. Um, you know, we moved a lot as a kid and I would say for very frivolous reasons, none of it it wasn't because I was military or, you know, there was a specific job relocation. Just my dad would see opportunities and go for it. He was, he was a gambling type of guy. So we got uprooted, um, to over an hour away. I'd say about an hour and some change away. And it like flipped my world upside down. And I went from being like a really, really good kid to a good kid that was angry. Uh, so when I start seventh grade, I'm like, dude, like, you know, fuck these people. And there were so many reasons for that. I was one of the only ethnic people at my school when I got there. Um, it, it, we just moved to like this giant dirt road where these people had these really stuck up attitudes. And I remember so clearly the smell of the place was so different than my home. And I, I hated it there. I hated everything about it. And I didn't want to talk to my parents. And I was just like, how am I supposed to make it? Thankfully, I had my older sisters that were still in the house with me to kind of guide me and oversee me and be like, hey, this is cool. This isn't, don't be, you know, whatever. Don't be a nerd. <laughs> okay. Um, but, you know, they were they were looking out for me uh, for the most part. But it was still scary. So as time passed, I, you know, started middle school. And I just, like, I made my enemies with certain teachers that I didn't feel like had good intentions. And as the years passed, obviously, through middle school, once I got in freshman year, um, I went to the big high school on the dirt hill. And I had met some people I really loved. And I, I wasn't similar to a lot of my friends in the sense where we didn't, really didn't have the same backgrounds or anything else. But I still have, you know, I would say probably a couple of them that are like forever friends and just good, great people that, you know, in adulthood, we share a lot of the same values and just love them, right? But for the most part, I really didn't feel like I fit in. And I was angry about that. And a whole lot of, a lot of other things that were going on at home and just, you know, preteen angst. So going into that teenage side of things in freshman year, everything was bubbling up and I'm at the school and there was just all kinds of situations that were going down that I was not happy with. But in particular, that's when I really started to realize that I had a deficiency with mathematics. And so I, I've, I've never been formally diagnosed with anything, but I could tell you essentially the best way to explain it is um, numbers get scrambled in my head and it's been described a lot as like uh, number dyslexia. And I, I, I don't I don't name for it. I haven't really done the research other than I've talked to a couple of people who go through this and they're like, oh yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. So numbers have never been my forte. And which is crazy because I do 
a lot of financials and projections in my career, but like, thank God for practice and calculators. Um, but if there's too many numbers that get involved, I'm like, I'm, I, I get very frustrated. I get very overwhelmed and I won't communicate that, but it's, it's tough. So it's, it's, you know, no question that by the time eighth grade, you start doing the pre-algebra and stuff like that. And a lot of the times I was just like slipping on barely, I, I barely made it through eighth grade because of my behavioral and mathematic problems. And I always remember my teacher's and my my vice principal who's just like a godsend he would be like she's so smart but like she's got to focus she's so smart but like we you know so (laughs) I I get to this you know freshman year algebra class whatever the hell it was and instantly I clocked the student I'm like this dude is gonna hate me like I could just feel it and it was so quick in, in, in which this man just put his energy towards me and was not nice towards me and I remember even thinking like I'm gonna be really good during this class because I know you know, how much numbers hurt my brain and I just can't do this. Like I literally couldn't, you could show me, you, still to this day, you'll show me basic algebra and I'm like, no, I, I don't know what to tell you. What do you, you need me to plus minus divide? Cool. Like <laughs> I use a percentage calculator. Like I don't care. Just, it's not my thing. So as the semester began and started to kind of go through, man, this guy just had it out for me. And, um, he could tell that I didn't like him. I will I will give you that. Um, and I could tell he didn't like me. So that really didn't make it any better, right? You have a freaking a 14-year-old, 15-year-old, and a, and a grown-ass man going head-to-head. Probably not, like, the best uh, situation. Cue all those movies where it's, like, the teachers and the students that don't get along. But I'll never forget, towards the end of my first semester, which was just incredibly difficult, um... He and I had had a couple like standoffs during class and it was never I was especially culturally I never rose my voice at like adults anything like that was never like oh you know suck a dick (laughs) um but it was just like I was like I don't agree with that or you know just being very vocal in the same way I am now as adult and it was the end of the semester and there were just these girls that just loved him I remember they would talk to him oh my god oh my god love you like whatever and I'm like man like what are these girls seeing this guy so mean you know And so everybody's saying bye towards the end of the semester and they're knowing, okay, there's going to be some changes, everything else. And this dude comes up to me and slaps a McDonald's application on my desk. I'll never forget this. And he goes, you're going to need this because you're going nowhere in life. You're going nowhere in life, just so you know. So I just, I keep a couple of these handy. So I just figured I'd give it to you. And I remember looking at this guy and being like, (laughs) I didn't say a fucking word to him. I just looked at him and I just left. I was like, fuck this guy. And shortly thereafter, I got expelled from school, essentially. Um, Thankfully, there was like a couple of little bit of this and that. We made some agreements. Essentially, I went on independent home study, but it was, I, I, Either I could stay for a few more weeks and get expelled or not. And there was behavioral stuff and violence and all kinds of stuff that went with that. But, but after he gave me that, I went into like full flight vengeance. And you have to think I had two immigrant parents who like people constantly were like, oh, well, you know, what do your parents do? What do your parents do? And I'd have to explain that my dad was in, you know, car sales. And, you know, it was always this thing where people would just immediately devalue our family. So I got this fucking complex, man, after this application. I remember throwing that thing away. I remember looking at that school and being like, I'm never coming back here. Um, 
and for the most part, I really, I think I had to go back there once or twice, but I, I never really went back. Um, I didn't finish out my, my, you know, work, homework, any of that. Like I, this was like the final straw for me. So I, everything added up. I started with the independent home study and every day I just was like, psychotic about what I was doing I was like I'm gonna graduate with honors and I'm gonna graduate early and I would just hold myself up for hours doing work like I would I would do twice the amount of coursework that anybody that was doing in my same grade so I could graduate early so once I got to that point I graduated uh, over a year and a half early I remember thinking to myself, well, this is just the start. I had gotten my first job at 15, part-time job. And I'm like, let's go, let's go, let's go. So what started happening was everything that I was doing in terms of my trajectory with schooling and my career was like an act of vengeance. So when I graduated early, I thought about, you know, going there, showing up to that guy's little shitty portable and being like, yo, I graduated. Remember when you said I wasn't going to mount anything? Because again, he used that, he used the application as a degradation, right? Um, he used that as like a, you're not going anywhere. And so that fueled me and that fueled me and that fueled me. And I've had times in my career where I've had, you know, um, not worked as hard as I should have, right? We've, anybody who says they haven't, it's fucking lying by the way. Um, but I've had those times or I've had times where I wasn't wise or anything else. And those were all growing periods. And I'm, I'm, I don't regret any of those times. Truly I don't. Um, cause it's made me to the, the woman and the leader I am now. But what I will tell you is that fire kept fucking burning in me. So when I started at my company I'm at now almost six years ago, I had this like entitlement and I was like, listen, like I'm going to be the best. There's going to be no stopping. I was kind of a little asshole still. Right. And I was like, no one's going to fucking stop me. No one's going to stop me. And that led me into my own deep waters. But it wasn't until I kid you not. Okay. You guys, this was ninth grade and I'm not ashamed to admit this. This wasn't a non, this was literally a factor in my life until probably a year ago, probably a year ago where I literally sat down and I looked at everything I had and I was like, it's okay. You don't got to prove him wrong anymore. You don't got to prove this guy wrong and all the people who laughed at you because of what he did, right? Because people saw what he did to me. And what people said when I left school, right? I had a shitty, just like terrible, atypical fucking snaky friend that went and told everybody I was on drugs and got pregnant. Still never done a drug in my life. And like, not that there's anything like good for anybody who did drugs and recovered or had kids and still did great things for themselves. But I didn't, none of those things happened. So I really had to sit down and be like, you, you're okay now. Like you are good. You are good. And what I realized was when I was going through all those different phases through my career is I was really grieving what this dipshit said to me. And for so many years, I was like, I'm going to show him. I'm going to like one day this dude's going to see me on LinkedIn. Okay. The LinkedIn revenge, you guys, this guy's going to see me on LinkedIn. He's going to know and he's going to know. And then like, yeah, I just like started growing in my career more and more. And then last year I just was sitting there and I'm like, "I I don't care anymore. I'm good. I'm good with it. I don't want that to happen. If I ever had a kid, I wouldn't want that to happen to my kid. And I'd go and beat the teacher's ass. But I'm good. I don't need to prove anything to this guy. In fact, I wouldn't even know what this guy looked like now if I drove past him. So that was a long one to let go of. But what I want to tell you is I could have kept this spite within me 
And I do think spite has its place. I'm not anti-spite here, okay? Because I, like, I wouldn't have gotten to where I'm at in my career at my age if I didn't have a little spite burning there, okay? Uh, but what I will say is, man, what a, what a thing to not let go of. What a thing to carry in the way that that... Uh, and you think, I'm just talking about with my job right now. Imagine how many other ways that affected me and the chip on the shoulder it gave me. And I finally let it go. So I guess what I'm saying is, if I can go through an explosion and, you know, get, get my reputation shit on and then go through an over-producing, uh, over-proving phase and um, make it to where I'm at now, I think, I think you've, and this is just a little one, I think you've got so much more in you, okay? So I, I thank you all for sitting with me uh, through this episode. This was a real one. This was a deep one. It's probably the most me you've heard, um, speaking throughout and I'm, I'm hoping you like it and I'm hoping you stay for more. So thanks for joining me. I hope you have a great weekend. This is live with tears of a clown, the podcast.